when I was going through school, I, I didn't say, oh, I, I want to go work for a firm that designs production housing or tract housing, right? That's not what my goal was, but it was the first job I got and it was a good job. It was local and, you know, it was actually, it was a lot of fun. And, and there was a, you know, for those that are listening um, that may not have any high regard for that, uh, because I see it a lot around the profession. And I think, you know, it, it's kind of like the scum of the earth when it comes to architecture. Uh, you kind of have, you know, the star attacks and then, you know, you have the, the, the other architects that do residential work. It's, they're pretty much ignored, um, you know, by most people, except for, you know, once a year when record uh, houses come out and everybody goes, ooh, and ah, and then you've got, you know, the bottom dwellers down here. And, um, and so I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I've always kind of felt, you know, as I knock this chip off my shoulder here, um, that, you know, I'm not a real architect because I don't do that other type of architecture, uh, you know, whatever that other type of architecture is. And there's, there's materials and methods that I know nothing about that, uh, that I've not had any experience with. And so does that make me less of an architect? Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 36 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And tonight we're joined by our friend of the show, Lee Callisti. Lee, say hi. Hello, everybody. Hey Lee, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. And where where are you uh, where are you coming from, Lee? So everyone has kind of an idea of who you are and what you do, and and where you're where you are geographically. Sure, I am in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, a smaller town east Greensburg, Pennsylvania, and I'm an architect there. I've been an architect there for uh, since. I don't know how long, since 1995, been out of school since 1991, and I'm also a adjunct professor at uh, Carnegie Mellon University School of Architecture. All right, good school. Well, again, thanks for joining us. So, Neil, why is Lee joining us? Lee, it, well, because he said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good start. He likes us. He likes or maybe us. Not, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll I don't know. Out. Yes. So, uh, last week, actually, um, NCARB had a little bit of an announcement that affects, uh, licensure and then, uh, and schools. So with Lee being a adjunct professor, we thought it'd be great to get his input on this. Um, but I think Cormac, you originally, uh, sent this to me. So what, uh, 
Go ahead and explain to me exactly what this is. Well, honestly, it's probably a huge dramatic um, shift in uh, the profession if it actually is um, something that is endorsed, bought off on, and uh, implemented. And it is uh, NCARB endorses licensure upon graduation. And, uh, you know, the little sub path to becoming an architect, a new path to becoming a licensed architect, um, where it basically will be integrating the internship and exam requirements into the curriculum. Um, you know, this is their first kind of, uh, salvo into, you know, shaking up and changing the profession, which, you know, I think we can all agree on. Um, more recently, um, and, and probably even in the past and a lot of the, uh, downtimes, you know, we've lost a lot of young blood, um, because, you know, they don't really want to, you know, I don't want to say that they don't want to stick it out, but you know, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's a difficult path to become a licensed architect. And, um, sometimes people just don't want to go the full ride and, you know, and, and a lot of people, and, and, and I don't want to get too far into, you know, a lot of the different comments that I was reading, but basically, you know, a lot of people who looked at this uh, announcement, they, you know, really thought that it's a, you know, it could be a positive thing in keeping a lot of the um, the younger talent in the profession. So uh, I shot I shot it off to you guys to kind of... Uh, have this discussion. And, and I really hope that after we have this discussion and people um, hear about it and go and hopefully read some of these articles and stuff and even, you know, get through some of the comments that, you know, we can start a dialogue on Twitter or our Facebook page or our um, webpage and just, you know, really kind of hear what other people think about this. Cause it's a really interesting subject and it's something that's really going to affect this profession for years to come. Yeah. I think real quick, we should probably mention that um, if you haven't subscribed to the show notes, you should go to arcuspeakpodcast.com and, and fill out the little uh, two or three lines on the right hand side of just about any page and you'll get the show notes emailed to you when the show comes out. But also, you know, why you would want to do that is because we're going to have the links to all of the the sites and, and articles that we're talking about today uh, so that you can easily find that stuff. And then we'll also have links to the comments on our page so that you can add your thoughts to that conversation. So arcaspeakpodcast.com. And this episode will be at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash episodes slash 36. So I have a question. What's your, Evan, you haven't spoken on it. So, What's your initial gut reaction, you know, without getting into a lot of the comments yet? I just, I would, every, I'd like everybody to kind of maybe give an initial impression of what they think about this. And then we'll maybe dive in a little deeper. Well, first of all, I don't, I think everybody's kind of has a knee jerk reaction and it seems to be pretty split 50 50. But I think it's very interesting how they worded the introductory sentence. It says that the board of directors has announced their endorsement of the concept of an additional <laughs> structured path that leads to licensure in a U.S. jurisdiction. So to me, I don't know if the concept comes from them even. 
or if it's just been brought to them over and over and over again, or, you know, I don't know the history behind this. And I think the interesting thing to me about this is because I'm in the middle of all this, um, I'm actually beyond the middle. So I get a high five for that, but, um, they're an incredibly opaque organization and the whole process is incredibly opaque. Now that doesn't mean that the requirements are not easy to understand. I mean, they are written there. Every, lots of people do it. So it's not a difficult thing, but there, a lot of people want to know why this, why that, and those questions go unanswered. And it, what's interesting to me about this is that this seems to be a clean break from the way things have been done for many, many years to saying, we're going to try other ways of accomplishing getting people licensed. And I, I think one of the knee-jerk reactions that I keep hearing is, this is going to piss a lot of people off. Or it is pissing a lot of people off who have already gone through it. And I don't necessarily subscribe to, we always have to do things the way they've always been done. And I don't think that this even has to be successful. It could fail and that could still be okay. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in thinking that people trying things and failing is a complete failure when really it could just be leading to more questions. It could lead to a complete different way to approach the problem. Um, but clearly there's a problem with the licensing process where um, that opaqueness leads to a lot of people leaving before they even begin or halfway through or right before they're finished. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit previously and maybe not even in an episode, but about um, women in architecture who, who a lot of them are leaving because of, you know, they, they turn out, they want to be mothers or um, there's families. There's all of these different reasons why people are leaving before getting licensed um, and so this seems to me to be kind of a way to try to get people licensed a lot sooner. Now, I, of course, I think that opens up a whole other realm of questions. Is that even a good idea? Um, what about having a bunch of really green licensed people into the practice? So I think, you know, my, my initial thing is I'm, I'm excited to see that they're actually thinking outside the box, if you will. Um, obviously, I don't know. It's hard to tell if it's been thought through, though. So, well, Lee. I was going to jump over to Lee. Lee, when did you get your license? I got my license back when we uh, did it with uh, rocks and chisels in 1995. Oh, that would be like Aunt, uh, Neil's time. Yeah, that, that's Grandpa Pan over here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was the same time around, about the same time I got mine. But so, so, Lee, we've had our license for a few years now. But um, what do you, what's your first reaction to hearing this? Well, I have had mixed feelings for many years because I was I was always a, an advocate for emerging professionals. Um, I helped start the um, Young Architects Forum at AIA Pittsburgh uh, when I was right after I got my license. So it was a emerging professional issues were very sensitive to me at the time, and uh, I had the passion for it, and it was. Um, something that I had the energy in the, and, and I was at that point in my career. So I never want to be thought of as not being uh, an advocate for emerging professionals. But the conversations and discussions and oftentimes complaints about the test and 
the program and licensure and this whole thing that we call architecture and uh, weren't as prevalent in in those days as they seem now. Titles weren't being debated and all those kinds of things. So I'm trying to find what an appropriate position is without being old and stodgy about it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I took the test on paper over a four-day time period and you know that was just how it was and nobody questioned it at the time uh the the profession has changed our culture has changed and people's expectations of what it ought to be has changed so being in the teaching profession as well i have to be very sensitive to things changing for the good and not remaining stagnant, but sometimes I think our culture wants change because they're so used to things changing as often as they change the channel or change screens on the internet or, or whatever they're doing, that change just seems to be part of their natural mental paradigm that they don't know how to exist without change. Well. Lee, let me ask you a follow-up question then. Um, when you took your license, uh, how much experience did you have before you decided to sit for the exam? I tried. Cause, cause I, I'm leading you into this because this is kind of where my stance on this whole subject kind of comes into play. Sure. I graduated uh, in 1991 and... I think that was the first or second year that IDP, and you guys can explain all that to the listeners, but IDP became mandatory. And I was pretty happy that there was a, a road to follow. Um, so then my goal at that point was to get it done in three years because that's how it was uh, advertised. But it took me actually three and a half, so then with the sequence of the test, it actually took me four years from the time I graduated to the time I sat for the exam. Okay. So, so four years. So were so, you working so, during that time or? I was, I was working for a small firm in my uh, hometown and I was working f for an architect that, um, was actually pretty sensitive to exposing me to all the areas of the profession. He just expected me to be the one to keep reminding him, uh, requesting or, you know, Hey, I, I need to, I need to get exposure in this classification, this category, this, and, uh, we found creative ways of doing that. Okay. Well, Neil, um, since you were asking what, what's your first initial reaction? Well, my first reaction was, what? <laughs> uh, bad idea, right? I mean, that, that was just the knee jerk. It's like, no, you can't do this. But then you know, I, I took a step back and I, and I thought about the, the time I spent in Europe. Um, I, I spent you know, pretty much my last year, fifth year at Cal Poly, which I have to give them a, a shout out for being placed uh, number one 
<laughs> undergraduate school in the country. So uh, in several categories recently. In fact, I'll, I'll have to make a note of that. I got to put that in the show notes. Um, <laughs> um, so Don't forget to throw key. Auburn in there. It, no, I'm not going to throw Auburn in there. I don't care. You better. <laughs> Damn it. Now you mentioned it. I got to put it in. Um, but I'm talking. I can't write show notes yet. So anyway, when I was in, in Italy, you know, when, when they finished their, their program over there in architecture school, they were effectively architects at that point. I, you know, and, and somebody can maybe correct me if I'm wrong about this. Um, but you know, I don't remember them having to take any extra test or if there, if there was, I, I don't remember, maybe somebody can uh, fill me in on that. But, um, I mean, essentially they finished college and they were architects and they would go out in the field and, you know, they would work. And I mean, nobody, nobody questioned that. And so the, once I thought about that for a moment and I said, well, you know, it's, it's not that much different than maybe some other parts of the world where they do something similar. And so, you know, maybe something like this could work. Um, much like Lee, when I took the exams, it was once a year. And if you were, um, you know, off schedule, I, I know when I took them, they were given right about the same week I graduated college. So, you know, you graduated college and when I finished Cal Poly in 93, I basically had to wait until 19, you know, June of 94 to take the exams. So there was, uh, you know, almost like a built-in year uh, that I had to work before, uh, you know, before I could even take sit for the exams. Um, but just to blow a little bit of a hole in where I think you're going to go, Cormac, I, had, mm. I started working in the profession, um, you know, back in the Jurassic period and, you know, actually worked through school. And, you know, so I, I actually had worked for about um, over 10, over, like for almost 10 years before I actually got my license. So, you know, I did have some experience. I didn't well, just walk out of school, I, graduated. I don't, I don't think that's blowing a hole. Degree. I think that's kind of supporting kind of my stance on it, you know. So that's, it, anyway, so that's my initial stance. So, I mean, what, what do you think? Well, you know, I mean, I, I of course, had the similar knee-jerk reaction of, um, you know, this is a bad idea. And even though... You know, like uh, Evan was saying, you know, this is a, a pretty out of the box thinking about how to kind of progress the profession forward. You know, I, you know, as many times as I've said it on the show, I mean, I'm a big proponent of experience. Um, I think that a lot of the things, and now here's here's where I start to split and become of two minds on this whole thing. You know that you know experience is huge. Most of everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis is more based off of the experience that we've gained in the profession, working day-to-day, than it is based off of what we learned in school. And so here's where I start to get excited about now we can start to realign schools to actually start to look at, and here's where I hope I don't piss Lee off, where we actually start to align the schools with the profession and have them start to focus on teaching people to become architects. No, I, I, I don't think that's a, a bad statement at all, but though it's difficult in the um, architectural education world is there are people of the mindset that 
believe we're teaching people how to think and and solve problems. And if you want to go into the profession, go ahead, but that isn't necessarily the primary goal. No, I don't share I don't share that position, but that is well, the mindset of some. You know, I was actually I was actually talking with my 13-year-old son about one of the most important things that I did learn in school is critical thinking. And and I and I honestly think that the critical thinking portion of it that you were just talking about that we don't really honestly get in the profession. We do get we get the rules to live by when we're working. We get, you know, all of the tools that we need to understand. We get our kit of parts, but we don't get the critical thinking and the kind of like, you know, conceptual design mindset and stuff like that, that we do get in the school. But I think there's a, a merging of the two that will more prepare as, you know, a student to be able to hit the ground running as a, you know, architect upon graduation as NCARB is calling it. Um, I think though that, you know, I think that the educational system is really complementary to the experience part of doing your internship, right? So, oh yeah, I I think that that's already working for the for the most part. I think what a, a lot of people, I think maybe the reason why this has even come up is because people are saying, "Well, I've put in all this time. I've put in." five plus years, four plus years to get my B arch degree or my, you know, whatever master's degree you've gotten on top of your bachelor's degree. How come I can't do what I want to do after putting in that time? How come I have to put in so, you know, 5,600 hours of IDP on top of that? Some states don't even let you start testing until that's complete. Then you've got to go through the seven tests on top of that. And then in California or in other states, you have to do the supplemental exam on top of that. And I think it's uh, the average is like seven years after graduation to becoming an architect, which means, you know, anywhere from zero to 14 years after graduation, people are becoming architects if they're even getting that far. I think that might be where this is coming from. It's like, how can we begin to do this sooner? But I, I think something that should be pointed out is that States already allow you to practice architecture by being a residential architect without having to stamp anything, right? And I think something that should be, as far as my understanding goes about what you were talking about, Neil, with Europe is that architects over there, this, again, this is my understanding, I could be wrong, that they don't actually stamp drawings. Um, there isn't that level of liability. Yeah, I'm... You know, I honestly don't know. Um, I was just a student there at the time, so really didn't get into uh, understanding that level. And, and hopefully we have some listeners from around the world that can, can kind of uh, chip in on the, on the website and, and that's not really to take give us some information. Away. It's not to take anything away from that. It's just saying that, they're, that these are apples and oranges. They're just different. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, a, you know, it's, it's, you know, the practice of architecture is, as we've discovered through this podcast, uh, is, is similar all around the world, but yet, you know, it's different all around in, in different parts of the world too. So, um, it's not to say one is, is, uh, is better than the other, the way we do it here. Evan, I wanted to touch on a point that you just brought up because it, it reminds me of when I was first getting into this and I, and I did start working for an architect, uh, before I went off to college. And 
one of the things I realized was, okay, I've got X number of years in school. It'll probably take, and now at the time in California, there was no IDP. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, but, you know, it was really kind of maybe, well, actually I, ch- I take, there was no IDP, but it, it literally took you eight years to become licensed. Yeah. Um, you had to have five years before you could sit for the exam, which if you went to a five-year Bachelor of Architecture program like Cal Poly, you could sit for the exam right after you graduated. Um, but you couldn't sit for the oral exam until you had seven and a half years in. So that was you know, essentially two and a half years after uh, you finished your, uh, your degree. And then even if you passed the oral exam before you had your eight years in, you wouldn't be issued your license until eight full years. Now, rare, I, I don't know personally of anybody that was in that exact position, but most of us, you know, basically had our eight years in. And so, you know, essentially from starting school to getting your license in California, it was eight years. And, and so. Which is the same if it, back then also, it, though, you could, you could not go to school and you could become a licensed architect after working for eight years. That's correct. Yes. Which is you, now not an option, right? I think that was. I think that's still an option in California, maybe there, not there, in California. Actually, there's a few states because, you know, Maryland actually has um, a path to licensure um, that a friend of mine is actually um, going after. And it's 10 years of, you know, basically apprenticeship working under uh, an architect. I mean, he started architecture school and life just threw him a curveball. He started, you know, working, had kids and stuff and never actually was able to finish school. And he, uh, but he's, he does have the ability to become licensed after 10 years of basically a 10 year IDP. So how is that different and or longer? You know, if you take my case of eight years in California is what basically was required, um, you know, and and that did include school. So we're not talking about yeah, years see, after a, school. Uh, you know, so I guess really that was three years after school. And I, I, Lee, I heard you say that too. You know, that was your goal. Right. Three years right. after school, uh, which was essentially what I, I was able to accomplish. And, you know, it, when you look at three years, that doesn't seem so bad. But I, I get a little scared when I hear people talking about seven years plus after school that's a real deterrent, I think, to anyone entering the the profession in you know well, from starting school. Look, there's entering the profession or getting licensed. No, it's somebody who's considering going to architecture school, looking at okay, five years of school, which is more than likely realistically six, maybe seven, and and then a seven years after that. I mean, are we are yeah, we really it, talking about ten to fourteen years to get a license? I'm at no, yeah. there's. <laughs> Look, um, you if you have a bachelor's of architecture degree, it's three years requirement, you know, for you to start taking your test. And there's plenty of people out there that are taking the test. If you've got a master's of architecture degree, it's two years. Um, and, you, you know, and people are out there and they're doing it. We've got a kid in the office who's, you know, two years of experience. He's uh, now on his third or fourth test. Um you know, so people are out there and they're doing it. So, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who take forever to get their license, you know, 
Uh, yeah. Present um, company and then, excluded, right? And then there's, you know, and then there's people who just, you know, jump on it and get right after it. I, you know, I've worked with plenty of, uh, I, I call them kids cause they're a lot younger than me, but anyway, but they're out there and they're busting their hump and they're, you know, getting out there and getting their license. Now, disclaimer there, does that mean that they're more experienced and ready to be an architect than somebody who's been who's delayed getting their license but has been out there working and you know well, doing how, ca and you know i mean how far there's, off the rails do you want to get here because i and i'm, I'm sure lee has something to say I, about this too i mean how why do we apply the same rules to everybody we do that to everybody we do it to our kids but it's not you know that you have more than one child and they are entirely different from each other Right. Right. Yeah. Why do we treat everybody the same? It, to me, it seems like, yes, there are, pl there are lots of architects in quotes who are ready to get their license right out of school. And there are a lot who aren't. I like that there are multiple paths to licensure and the people can pick the most appropriate one for themselves. I think the biggest scare is that people pick the inappropriate one. Well, I actually think, you know, I mean, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I read the multiple comments and things like that, I actually am kind of excited about that path. Um, the thing that I worry the most about is the internship por portion of it. How is that integrated into the educational system? Now, they, you know, there's been people have speculated because they haven't really put a lot of detail into what that means, you know, licensure, you know, licensed upon graduation. Yeah, remember, they just endorse yeah. the concept. Right, right. You know, and, and, and there's the, you know, you've got to oh, get schools to buy off on it. You're, the biggest thing is you've got to get states to buy off on it because if the states don't endorse it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, they're the ones who are the ones who True. are giving the license. And if they say no, you know, it's dead in the water. Right. Um, but I, I would think, imagine those conversations have begun, though. Oh, um, yeah. In fact, you know, reading the statement, you know, they've the framework is out there and, you know, it's going to take years for implementation of this. But, you know, uh, it, it's an exciting opportunity. But and to me, again, like to go back to what I said, I think that what it's going to do is help reshape um, some of the. Uh, some of the educational programs out there to start to not get rid of all of the critical thinking, the, you know, the exploratory design and conceptual designs and all of the other things that make architecture school so fun. But it's going to start throwing that other element of learning, you know, about public health and safety and welfare, you know, I mean, because those are the things that we are really responsible. I mean, that's really what a license means, is that we understand those concepts and are able to, you know, perform our duties to protect public health, safety, and welfare. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be able to start to uh, integrate. I'm just interested, curious, scared, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> in the... Uh, the internship portion of it, the, the experience portion, because I can tell you that as long as I've been in the profession, every year brings new experiences. Um, 
you know, never be ready. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you read some of these comments there, you're never, there would, if you were waiting to be, you know, experienced in everything, you will never become an architect because you will never be experienced in everything. (laughs) Period. So Lee, I'm curious as a professor and, and, and also too, Evan, I know you've taught uh, quite a bit as well. How do you guys see now, Cormac just mentioned there's not a lot of details about how this would get done, but how do you see implementing? I mean, we've we've all gone through school. It's it's a pretty tough program uh, for most, you know, five year programs um, that the one like similar to what I went through. Um, I, I don't see how. I, I'm just curious, and I'd like to get your opinion on how do you add more curriculum in a say a five year program now. That's that's an assumption. I'm assuming yeah. they can do this in five years, but I mean, no, actually, maybe they, maybe they add a sixth and everybody graduates. Twenty pounds of crap into a five pound bag. Actually, there's been there's been discussion, and it, it may be speculation or it may be you know based in fact, but they were basically talking about you know this could have be a potential of an eight year degree. What do you think yeah. about that, Lee? Well, people have been questioning what architecture schools teach even when I was just getting started and the age-old question you know you know what they ought to teach in school they ought to teach and that's been going around for a long time and really there's no answer to that question because you'll you'll never leave the school okay so so you have to let that one go um there's so many other things that they're trying to teach in school to try to prepare students for a global practice of architecture or a global thought process rather than maybe the path that I chose of just being a, a sole proprietor. And what what some schools are doing, in fact, the school I'm at is trying to do is they're trying to cram more in the first three years and give students an opportunity to choose more, I wouldn't call it specialization, but but more of a focus in their final two years um, so that they can leave and, and pursue a direction that is a, more of in, interest to them. And it, it's, it's not necessarily the same as graduate school, but it's starting to take on that flavor. So if you're really interested in sustainability and you get into energy modeling and all, this, all the things that are involved in large projects like that, that may be your thing. But if you're more interested in construction and um, engineering and those kinds of things, or if you're more theorist and you want to approach that, that point of view, and I think those options should be available to people, but then now you're saying, oh, and you want you to be able to take this test when you leave. I don't know how you begin to do that. I really, I don't because there's just so many things you can't learn in a classroom. You have to be in an office. You have to see projects being real projects being done by real people and real money and real budgets, real codes and and the accountability that comes in an office that that doesn't exist in a studio because the studio is always hypothetical. Exactly. Um, you know, there are some things going on at Carnegie Mellon that are really exciting. There's a, an urban design build studio where students that, that take that course actually design and build a real thing. And I think they start to get that sense of accountability 
that comes with this with this profession. But if you don't take that path and you choose another path, then you can be stuck in, and I'll use my term from recent blog posts, you can be stuck in that ivory tower mentality of, of understanding architecture at more than an arm's length rather than um, where most of us find ourselves in, in the profession. So um, I don't know. I thought that the semantics of their words was fascinating because it was this big announcement but really, it, there was nothing behind the curtain, so to speak. It was just yeah. I think it's weird too because um, one of the quotes that from uh, NCARB CEO Michael Armstrong says, "There's two things here that I want to two quotes that I I think we should talk a little bit about." Um, but but regarding what you were just saying, I'm going to kind of go out of order with these two quotes. But from their page here under the heading of Progressive Path. Um, the second paragraph under that section says this additional path to licensure is another concrete step to reimagining and reconfiguring each part of the process. And it, it goes on, but I thought that was really interesting that this is a concrete step when I, I agree with what you're saying, Lee, it just doesn't seem committal at all. No, 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 no. So how and, is it a concrete step? I mean, is it just like, we're just saying it out loud. Therefore, it's a concrete step. I don't get it. Maybe well, there's there's a lot of criticism. There. There's a lot of criticism of of NCARB these days because of the fees and because of wondering, well, what what do you guys really do? You know, why do I pay you money and what do you really do? And and I understand the criticisms there. I don't share all of them, but I but I so I don't know if they're trying to do damage control or like look if, at us, we're doing something. I don't know. Um, I've never thrown them under the bus like like many people have, but at the same time, I think they're trying to position themselves very carefully uh, in this profession. And you know, I, I have to I have to question myself so much because I like things to stay the way they are, and that's not healthy. But at the same time, I'm not one to shift a paradigm merely because I can. Well, you know, I was I was kind of curious about it because it was. You know, that was one of the first things that I thought as well, uh, Evan, was the the vagueness of the whole thing. And I, I almost felt like they threw it out there to gauge the reaction of the profession. Because, I mean, this, this uh, announcement has caught on like wildfire. I have seen it in so many different things. I've got so many different architecture friends that are on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else. And I think though for people who aren't moving. on those social networks, like I asked around the office today and people are like, Nope, haven't heard of it. But if you had now, if you have that conversation with them, you will get probably a thousand and one different opinions, ideas, and thoughts on that. And if you were able to basically sum those up and send them on in, you know, I'm, I'm curious if, if one of the things they wanted to do is throw it out there, get the opinion of, or at least, you know, kind of set the fire and see yeah. how people react. Right. Um, you know, and then even start to throw out ideas of how it could work. Um, you know, it, it, it'd be interesting to see if, if that was kind of their intent is to, you know, because, I mean, yeah, you, you throw it out there, you make, you know, a bold statement or a proclamation, but with no real concrete idea of how that would work. Um, but, I, but, you know, they even... They even admit in here that, you know, this is just the conceptual phase, that it's not, you know, that this is an idea they have, 
you know, they had all of these different, you know, professionals kind of get together in their licensure task force. And, you know, um, well, I have, so, I have a question for Lee regarding regarding the first quote that I wanted to get back to here, which is NCARB is engaged in streamlining and simplifying the licensing process for aspiring architects. And we are actively reengineering all the elements of the architectural licensing process, education, experience and examination to focus on facilitation of licensing. I mean, Lee, how open do you think schools are to NCARB? re-engineering their curriculum i don't i don't think they're going to be as open as they think they are because again many schools are going to take the stance that they don't want to pigeonhole their students into following traditional practice prescriptive thing the prescriptive practice i mean that was all i ever wanted to do but the more students i'm around and over the last i've been teaching since 2002 the more students i'm around and the more of academia, academia that I'm around, um, the more I'm becoming sensitive or, or, or open to the fact that you can go through this crazy thing of school that we all went through and do something else. I don't know why you would do that, but, but well, that's I, fine. I find it very interesting though, that, you know, people go through that process. Like I, I wouldn't trade that process for the world, but when you get into a large corporate culture you can immediately see why you wouldn't want to be a part of this. Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? But, but you look at, at the, I guess what they're, what, what NCARB is asking you to do is buy into the continuum of keeping this broken thing going for as long as possible up to this point, up until this announcement. To me, this is directly saying, if we don't change something, these students who are going to change the world, whether they're in architecture or not, are, are just going to do that. So why don't we give them a way to be able to do that? Because it, it really does seem, again, this is from my experience, it's, it's pretty broken, right? And so how are we going to fix that? It's not going to be by not doing anything about it, by changing and saying, hey, guys, everybody has to do what I did. Well, what's broken is debatable because what is the real reason it's taking so long to get licensed? Is it because the test is so expensive? Is it because the test is so difficult? I, I really want to know the answer to that because, again, my mindset was so narrow. I came from a time period where there was only one way and nobody questioned it. It was just, yep, we're taking this test and you you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps and you dug your heels in. But then uh, who am I to judge that process? But I think people's goals are just so different. When I came out of school, all I ever wanted was that license. So I just made decisions that allowed me to get it as soon as possible. But everybody doesn't share the same set of values. Well, let me throw this in. Whereas your your notion was that you wanted to get the license. Right. Mine is I wanted to get the experience. Sure. I felt like I didn't yeah, I I've always believed that, you know, there's a level of experience that you need to have before you can call yourself an architect. 
and to me How that do you know when does is enough though but but it's for me you know i mean i i and i can sit and i can he's judge still trying know. to figure that out evan he's I not no, i mean I can, I can sit and i can sit and look at people that have the you know the license and say wow you just took a test that's all you did because you are not i don't know how or why you're calling yourself an architect but you're not well, I think you're really getting at a, at a really critical issue, Cormac, because everybody wants to use the title, and I know that's a whole another firestorm. Oh, yeah. But you you have defined for yourself what an architect is, and it's pretty high, which is what I did as well. And you're not, and you're you're setting up a challenge, and 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 you're you're respecting the profession, and you you feel that you can't be an architect until you achieve whatever your standards are. I wish everybody had that, that, that mindset. I, I agree with that as well. I, and I feel like we're on a similar path and I honestly feel like, and I, it's not just me who feels this way in my firm, but, um, I feel like I can't even take on the next level of our corporate structure without being an architect, a licensed architect. There are other people who are unlicensed in that same position. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's the right thing to do. I mean, just to be completely transparent about that. I mean, our CEO of our architecture company is not a licensed architect. And to me, there's that standard isn't, isn't existent with, with certain people. But I, I agree with what you're saying, Cormac, like if you really want to be an architect, you definitely have to have that experience. And this is skirting that for sure, this announcement. Well, you know, I mean, let, let me just throw a few examples out. We, you know, we've got people in the office who are taking their exams now. And the level of questions that they're still asking, um, to me... I feel like they need more experience before kind of they don the cloak of be, being, you know, termed an architect because I mean, there, there, there are these, these questions that they ask are just like, wow, you know, I mean, in turn, this, these same people are actually far more advanced in their desire, their will to learn the way that they question their critical thinking, I think they're ready to make that leap forward. But there's just something about it that I kind of feel like, you know, they're not quite ready yet, you know, but they're the people that have the drive and the focus to be there. And those are the people that I want to encourage to be the next, you know, level of, of, you know, just be the next architects be the next leaders in the profession because they are good enough to actually do this. But, you know, you, you just, you, with, with, a, with as much experience that I have, you just kind of feel, you got this gut feeling that you're, you're there almost, you know, kind of thing. Well, I, hey, I, Cormac, I'm, I want to, I want to mention something here because you bring up a good point, but I think that where you're going is how do you define an architect? When the master says you're ready. Well, yeah. Is it, <laughs> uh, is it, is it then? Because, okay, let me, let me, 
I want to I want to circle back yeah, around to this because because I I feel by your definition I'm not an architect and let me let me see where I where I mean by that you know when, when I graduated um, in the early 90s it, you know it was a similar sort of work environment that we've experienced um, over the last few five years and so it was really hard to find a job so I took whatever I could get. And eventually, uh, you know, was given, you know, landed a job for a firm that basically did production housing. And I know we've talked about that uh, before. And so that's what I spent the, the majority of my, that kind of set my career path, right? I mean, that when I was in school, that wasn't uh, uh, what I wanted to do, right? Um, it's like that, that old comic, uh, you know, when I grew up, I, I didn't want to be a drug dealer or something, right? You know, that, that you've seen that cartoon. But um you know, when I was going through school, I, I didn't say, oh, I, I want to go work for a firm that designs production housing or tract housing, right? That's not what my goal was, but it was the first job I got and it was a good job. It was local and, you know, it was actually, it was a lot of fun. And, and there was a, you know, for those that are listening um, that may not have any high regard for that, uh, because I see it a lot around the profession. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like the scum of the earth when it comes to architecture. Uh, you kind of have, you know, the star attacks and then, you know, you have the, the, the other architects that do residential work. It's, they're pretty much ignored, um, you know, by most people, except for, you know, once a year when record, uh, houses come out and everybody goes, Ooh, and ah, and then you've got, you know, the bottom dwellers down here. And, um, and so, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I've always kind of felt, you know, as I knock this chip off my shoulder here, um, that, you know, I'm not a real architect because I don't do that other type of architecture, uh, you know, whatever that other type of architecture is. And there's, there's materials and methods that I know nothing about that, uh, that I've not had any experience with. And so does that make me less of an architect? I mean, hey, no, yeah, you're no, right. I passed no, let, the damn test. No, no, so no, no, you know no, what? Let, I can let me call kinda... myself an architect, but am I really an architect? Because yeah. all I've ever really done is this kind of residential stuff, right? No, no, no. Let me let me back up here so that we can kind of kind of clear up the the mud that I just raked up. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I mean, what, no, what I, I'm, I'm not I'm, taking it personal, but it, no, I think no, it's no. interesting to. How do we, def because this is essentially Competent. what this question me, is getting to is how do you define who an architect is? Is an, is an architect who say this, this program, however it's implemented, if it ever gets implemented happens and whether it's a five year, six year or eight year program, you know, you graduate and you have your license, you know, are they really architects? Well, well, first let me state one of the reasons why I have kind of this like experience is your education type mentality is, you know, I mean, first you all know I went from high school to the U S army, you know, I spent nine years in the military and I have a military mindset that I bring to my day-to-day -day operations of this profession called architecture. I truly believe that, you know, I mean, for me to move up into the ranks in the army, I had to show a level of competency and expertise of what of, of my job. 
And that was the only way that I could move forward is that showing that I have mastered those skills and that I'm ready for the next level of skills and stuff. And so I've always kind of believed that that was, you know, how I, me, was going to approach architecture is that I needed to master a certain level of skill basically to feel competent enough to be able to say, all right, if somebody entrusted me with a building, whether it's a house or a school or anywhere in between, that I have a level of competency and confidence in myself that I could be able to do that building and not get sued or not fall down or all these other things that I understood that I can take my sketch from scribble to, you know, construction administration and all the way through. And I understand all of those. That was for me. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, you call it, you know, and, and I, I don't necessarily think that you were taking offense to how I was talking about real architect and, and all this other stuff. You should, you've got a level of, Confidence and competency in your residential design and architecture. You, of course, you're an, an architect, and I, I almost feel like I need to jump on the defensive. But I know no, that. no, please don't. Um, I, I'm just kind of using that as an example. Uh, as um, you know, how do we define who an architect is? Is an architect who strictly kind of does residential architecture? No, uh, or may yeah. do a specific type of residential architecture. Is that an architect? Well, Neil, let me jump in and say, sure. um, I, I appreciate the self-deprecating attitude uh, and the humility. I think that's 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 nice. But uh, for all the things that you aspire or respect from architects that do very large projects, I bet there's equal number of things that you do and can do that they can't. Not Absolutely. because of not because of intellectual ability or, or 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 whatever, but just because of experience or where you are in life, the things you deal with, the problems you solve, the, the clients you please, um, are, are skills that you have that 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 they may not have. And um, I, I'm not trying to put them down either because they're building big, complicated buildings. Um, I, I just don't think you can define it in in a singular way that that you, you may be looking for. Right. Well, I'm not necessarily looking for a certain way, but I think it, it parallels to the, to the question of um, who is an architect is, are you an architect when you get, when you have, as Cormac saying, you know, a certain level of expertise and then you have your license or as NCARB is proposing here, you know, when you finish school, you're now an architect. So I think, um, I think that that kind of comes back to where we started. My initial reaction to this announcement was, wow, bad idea. But then as the more I thought about it, it's like, well, maybe it's not a bad idea. And I kind of fall with uh, how each Lee and Evan, you both touched on, um, you know, we shouldn't always get stuck in. This is the way we've always done it. Because Lee, Lee when you mentioned that when you first came out and you, you took the exams, you just we didn't question that. That was the, no. the path that we were on. And, and pretty much most of the people I went to school with, we were all on that sort of path. Now, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, diverged after that. And some of us became architects, some of us didn't. Um, but you're right, we didn't really question it. So I find it strangely exciting that we've had a lot of issues with this profession and they've grown over time. 
um, and how do we address them? And maybe this is one way um, that we can begin to address things from the bottom up, from when you start, right? From, right from school, maybe we can start to reshape our profession. So A, we can encourage people to get into the profession and stay in the profession and have find a way so that they can have the experience and get themselves a license so they don't have to spend 15 or 20 years after they've graduated and still not have an, a license that they can call themselves an architect. Let me, uh, let, let me just ask a side question that I've been wanting to ask. And this is a little bit different from what we were just talking about. And that's if this gets implemented and we start to require schools to have a level of, um, Basically, the the IDP standards are kind of like overlaid into that particular degree path. Do you think, and, and here's a, <laughs> I'm going to love this one. Uh, do you think the professors and the in academia are ready and able and capable of teaching practical experience? Now, Lee, you've you've got a different take on this because you're a practicing architect. And there are a lot of professors that are practicing, you know, sole practitioners or even, you know, in smaller firms. But then there is a lot of professors that haven't even practiced. Does NCARB know that most professors in architecture school are not licensed? You're you're poking at a bee's nest. <laughs> I know that was that's well, that's what point. we do on this show, <laughs> and that may be a completely different you know podcast topic altogether. But you know, I mean, they're you know. So let me just throw this out here and why I asked this. So I started school, ran out of money, went and I worked for an architecture firm for four years, saved up enough money to go back to school and finish up my degree. But in that time, I did everything from basically basic drafting all the way up to project management and CA in those four years. So I had a lot of practical experience and actually had built buildings that I designed that I went through the whole CA process with in those four years. And when I went back to school, I had more experience in the actual profession than almost all of my professors. And, and, and so you sit there and, and people like me wonder like, well, why are these guys teaching me if they don't have a license, they don't have the practical experience, they've never really practiced, but now they're preparing me to become the next wave of, you know, architectural professional when they really aren't. Well, I, I think that. the part of your answer is, is that what they're really doing? Is that what some school, I mean, is that what all the schools are doing? Well, let me, let me back up here because I don't want to devalue the, the, what I learned from them though. You know, there's a lot of, I, you know, and, and this isn't the, in, for any possible old professor that might actually listen to this show, um, there well, quit were backpedaling here. <laughs> there were just actually, lay it I'm out talking there. about you. 
Yeah, I'm not talking about you. Yeah, you. No, 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 no. You move out of the way. You. Um, well, but Cormac, I mean, you know, without you don't, I don't think you really need to defend yourself because I think that uh, you raise an interesting question, and that is is the goal of architecture school or should, I mean, maybe that's a question I'll put out for, for you, Lee and, and Evan, you too, as a, as a teacher once, um, is the goal of architecture school to turn out people that can be licensed or is it the goal of, and, and it may be different for each different school too. I, I recognize that, you know, or is it the goal of that school to teach people how to think and how to maybe design and and to eventually, you know, become uh, good architects. But Neil, before um, Evan <laughs> and Lee jump into this, the point of what we're talking about here is this particular program idea of being a licensed architect upon graduation. Sure. So you sort of answered one of your questions just by if this particular program is implemented they have to meet every criteria of a licensed well okay you're you're right and so that 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 includes to me that includes somehow in this particular path experience right okay well let me let's literally jump in on that then before i jump in my personal opinion not the opinion of my school but my personal opinion is you go to architecture school to become an architect, but maybe I'm old school in in how I look at higher education. Uh, I, I never understood going to school to learn about the world and life and get to know myself and find myself and all those kinds of things. And I'm not necessarily being critical of those who have chosen that path, but for me, I went to I went to architecture school because that's how I would become an architect. It was that simple. So my personal opinion is, is yeah, you, you go to architecture school to become an architect. But I don't think I'm even in a majority. Is that even possible? You're not, but you know what, Lee? You've, you've, uh, you've garnered even more respect for me than you already had, which was you know high up there because I agree with you. <laughs> why, I mean, what, why are you actually choosing to go to architecture school? And, and for to me, I, an architect. and I got into architecture school so that I could get a license because not getting the license was not, was a failure, was, uh, you know, it was like that, that journey, that path to climb the top of the mountain or whatever you want to call it. Maybe I'm overly dramatizing the path to becoming an architect, but where I came from, I came from a family where not too many people even went to college. Mm-hmm. So to become a licensed professional was was huge but nowadays everybody goes to college well not everybody but a lot of a lot more people go to college nowadays than they used to and there's just an expectation of well I, i went to school so i deserve this and i deserve that and i'm not trying to overly criticize this generation but i came from a a a an old italian mindset that you worked hard and eventually you got something and you know, I'm at the tail end of those old ethnic values. And uh, so I have to constantly reexamine myself because I think I'm becoming crotchety and old and fuddy-duddy and opinionated in my uh, 40s here. And um, 
I have to ask myself if I'm, if I'm looking at things with a fresh eye, like school teaches you. Well, Lee, what do you think your school thinks about that question? You know, is the goal of going to Carnegie Mellon to be a licensed professional, to be a licensed architect? I, I don't think there's a common mindset right now. And I don't know which side it would, it would fall on if, if you had to do that. Um, yeah, it's complicated. It, it is, <laughs> and I'm not full-time, so I'm not amongst the um, full-time senior faculty enough to even want to speak for them. And I wouldn't speak for them anyway, but I teach my studio as if my students are going to go on to become architects. And no one has ever told me not to. Uh, but at the same time, I don't cut off their ability to think and to reason and to um, be lateral thinkers as well as deep thinkers. But at the end of the day, I want them to have skills that they can use to get a job to pay off their, to pay off their student loan. <laughs> but, but to feel good about themselves. Now, if they choose to be a painter in Paris someday, then great, fantastic, because I think those skills that you learn in architecture school are tremendous for any other profession you get involved in. But my personal narrow-minded opinion is that should be the anomaly, an anomaly, not, not the norm, that the norm should be that we should be inviting these people into the profession. Um, but I take it one step further, and I'll go out and speak my own opinion here, um, that I think we need to allow for more types of students to get into the profession that aren't necessarily strong designers, but have other skills that, that can offer this profession, that they're not all going to be superstar designers. Um, but somehow we've elevated that as being, you know, the pinnacle of architecture school. Yeah, well, that kind of falls under the, uh, the thing you were saying earlier about always wanting the new and the, the change. I mean, that's, that's what Art Daily is all about, right? It's, it's what's the next post. And, and, I'll, and I'll go one step further that there seems to be a tacit understanding that these people are going to go out from architecture school and join uh, global well-known published firms. And I often tell my students to go back to small town America and make a difference where they're at because people need architects yeah. in those in those areas because of the abilities and skills that they have they can transform a, a community uh, new york city doesn't need any more architects um and it's again that's an opinion but um probably a valid one <laughs> actually i think it's a great i think it's a great opinion i mean because you know you're it, when you know a buddy of mine and i were you know making the decision to kind of go out on our own, you know, his uh, argument to me was, do you want to be a small fish in a big pond or do you want to be a big fish in a small pond and make a bigger impact on the design of this, you know, it was North Florida. And, uh, you know, did you, you know, do we want to have a greater impact on the design and planning and stuff of, of the projects that we're going to be doing you know, where we could, you know, have that direct impact. And, and you're right. I, I think I, I kind of actually wish that more people would think that way is that, you know, 
small town America or small town wherever, um, you know, needs architects as much as, you know, the big New Yorks and Chicago's and LA's and stuff like that. There's plenty of work for everybody. There, there is. In fact, actually there probably could be more if we weren't, you know, kind of turning our nose up against, you know, over the, Oh, I don't really want to do this small house edition. Well, why not? You know what? That house needs an architect. If it, you know, if they're going to make an addition, would you rather an architect do that, you know, addition or a, you know, a contractor that's just going to slap something up and it has no character, no nothing. And you're going to poke in a bee's nest again. I know. <laughs> I know how I'd answer that question, but I know exactly. And, and that was kind of, that's, I mean, that's your forte, man. I mean, and you know, so back to yours. Yeah. We need architects like you, Neil, you know, getting out there and getting after all, you know, any shape and size of project because I want this place to be pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, have we uh, beaten this subject up enough to uh, turn it loose on everyone else to give us comments? Yeah, probably not. No, (laughs) we could go on forever, but honestly, I would really love to hear from everybody else and see what their opinions and thoughts are and, how most people think that I'm full of crap. <laughs> oh, wow. I can guarantee you this will be uh, the most comments yeah, we enough, ever get enough. now with that opening. <laughs> so where do you find it? So where do you leave those comments? Uh, come to our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com and uh, you'll find our Twitter accounts and the Ar- and a link to the Arcaspeak Podcast Facebook page which uh, we'd like people to, uh, to, to make some comments on there. It's been kind of lonely over there. <laughs> or if you have something that you just need to share uh, with using your voice, we have uh, a telephone line you can call. I don't think people know about this, Evan. Uh, nobody ever calls it. So um, yes, we do have a phone number. You can call us at 415-484-8496. And uh, please do so because uh, the Google translation is, is a lot of fun to read. So, uh, you know, give us a little bit of entertainment and uh, we, we enjoy that. And if you haven't done so already, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. We especially love those. And I think maybe what we can start doing is uh, we can start mentioning some names of people that leave reviews on iTunes. That's a good I'd, idea. Yeah. yeah. We've got some good ones lately. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we should do that too. And, and then we should thank Lee for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you, Lee. This is a great conversation. Well, thank you for letting me join you. I've been listening for so long. It's it's an honor. Yeah, thanks so much. It, it's great, and especially on short notice. And uh, we really appreciate your perspective. Thank you know, you. And, this, and, and let me stress to everybody out there about these comments that we're really hoping we get. This particular topic of almost any other topic that we've ever had, this is a this is the future of our profession. You know, this is going to have a direct impact on, you know, the way that we teach, you know, we license, we practice. So, you know, let's hear your opinions. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, everyone, stay subscribed and thanks again for listening. Good night. Good night. Night. Good night. It's late here. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning for us. That's true. 